The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. Like you, Shanna had all kinds of questions about money and finances from a very young age. She learned to not be frightened of financial discussions and became an expert on managing money in the process. Shanna and her guests are here to demystify money, investing, and personal finance. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Shanna Tinjum, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge, guests on this show and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. Let's get started. Here's your host, Shanna Tinjum. Welcome to Making Money Fun. My name is Shanna Tinjum, your host. And I am co-owner and advisor at Heritage Financial Strategies in Gilbert, Arizona. And I'm thrilled to be with you today and to bring you an exciting guest that I know is just going to have a lot to talk about with the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today, which is seven financial planning mistakes. So we're going to talk about those and a myriad of other issues that she's run across in her time as being a blogger and financial writer, and she's taken a very interesting course to get to that uh, that esteemed title. But I want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Lois Center Shabazz as we get started. So she actually started her career out of college as a dentist, spent 20 years in practice, and then transitioned into being a financial blogger, money coach, and artist. And I'm not quite sure where that fits in, but I'll sh- I'm sure she'll tell us that. She's written some phenomenal books, which you should all download on your Kindle or run out and buy if you um, don't have a Kindle because they're phenomenal. The, the, of course, my very favorite one uh, was Live Rich, Save Money, Learn Investing from Stocks to Mutual Fund Research in 47 Wonderful Ways. And that was uh, a wonderful book to read, a nice, quick, easy read for those of you that are scared of finance books, not at all technical and not at all scary. And so that's going to be the focus of our conversation today, but we're definitely excited to invite Lois into the conversation and get started. Lois, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you doing, Jeff? I am wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up going from dentist to personal finance author? I know. I I guess I I should probably start as an artist. I started that really early. (laughs) When I was young, my mom was a seamstress, and she taught me to sew and we used to go into sewing competitions, and I designed and just did all sorts of fun things like that. And um, that led to um, all my, a lot of drawing. And so then I, later on, I, I kind of put that together with the fact that I was good in science, and I decided that uh, dentistry would be a good fit because I like hmm. my dentist. I like going to the dentist. I, know I was a weird kid. Okay? I was going to say, wow, that's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just <laughs> put that out there. And so um, I went to dental school. And after I went, I had no idea I was going to be as in debt as I was mm-hmm. uh, when I graduated. Yep. 
And because I was twice as in debt as I thought I would be, I said, well, I've got to figure out how to get out of this. And that's where I actually started. Um, I went to a bank, and I wanted to uh, start a retirement account, and the lady took out a bunch of papers because I'm, I'm like, I'm never going to retire with mm-hmm. all this debt, you know. So I said, well, I'll just start a retirement account. She took out some papers, and she filled them out real fast, and I'm like, okay. And so she said, well, just give me $3,000, and we'll start. You know, so, okay. And so I'm like, but where did it go? What did she do with it? And so I was, like, really scared, you know. Yeah. What does it mean? Exactly. <laughs> I had no idea. So I started reading mm. on my lunch break. First, I said, I got to get out of debt. I got to figure out how to pay off these loans, and I did. Wow. I, um, but I had to get further in debt first, and so right. I started my own practice about five years into it. Wow. As I was paying down my school loan debt. And I said, well, I have it paid down enough. So I started my own practice, and um, that's when I really started. Uh, I said, i got to figure out this, you know, what they do with your money when you go to an invest- <laughs> you know, a financial advisor. Right. Because I, I tried a couple more, and nobody talked to me, and I said, well, what does this mean? So what I did is I uh, started reading all sorts of financial magazines and books, and mm-hmm. I kind of got an idea. <laughs> yeah. I still didn't really understand, but at least I knew. And um, so I went to an advisor. He actually gave me a lot of information. He was a Ph.D. in investing. Wow. And he had invested for a university. Okay. And so he's kind of semi-retired. So he gave me all kinds of information. I feel very comfortable. And so that's when I um, really started to get into it. And I started to fund my account. And um, so I got married about uh, 15 years into it. Mm-hmm. After I decided I'm not going to get married, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to take care of myself. <laughs> and, and then uh, I did. I, I got married. I've been married for 23 years now, so oh, it kind of worked out. But I ended up, um, after I uh, got married, I sold my practice. And okay. that's when I decided, okay, I spent all this money uh, going to dental school, <laughs> borrowing money to go to dental school. I borrowed money to start a practice. So this is my money, and I'm going to take it and invest it. Right. And that's right. when I really uh, uh, got a, an advisor, and, and I started. I kept that in there, and I've had it in there for a long time. And then um, I I worked in San Diego for several years. I went up to Northern California. Then when we moved to Virginia, I decided, well, okay, I've worked long enough. So now <laughs> I'll, I'll focus on my art, which I love, mm-hmm. and my personal finance blogging because I got tired of meeting women. And I'm talking professional women. Yep. And they had no retirement mm-hmm. account. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, I'll just have to stay married. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to stay married just so you can retire. Wow. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I hear that a lot. I really got serious about it. Uh, well, you know what? That's an interesting story. I think a lot of us take um, a windy road to get to where we are today. And that that's really cool. And I, and I love your perspective. And I... I, how and how long, so how long has that been that you've been that you've been writing and blogging? Oh, I've been writing and blogging for about twelve years now. Wonderful. So you've and probably I, talked to a heck of a lot of women who have questions or issues that you've run into. So lots of women. Yep. I my first book was a print book. Okay. Uh, so I ended up um, going on tour and really met a lot of women, some real smart young women mm-hmm. and some women who were just older. And when I mean older, like in their 40s and 50s, and still confused. Sure. And then women who, um, well, I'm trying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not really sure which direction to go, but they're doing the best right, they feel like right. they can at this point, right? And I, and I hate to say this, but women just don't, 
invest as much as men do. Yeah. There, you there's, know, I yep. Well, and, and there's there's research to back that up. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. it, for a, there's a lot of uh, research around that, and we'll talk about some of that today. But there there's definitely a misconception. I think that there are a couple of them that I know you talk about in your book, and and one of those is that you know you have to have a lot of money to invest. Right. Right. Tell tell me a little bit how, about how how you feel about that. No, you do not have to have a lot of money. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was uh, right out of dental school, mm-hmm. a friend of mine had he could, he could put money into his um, supplemental retirement at yep. work. Mm-hmm. I said, I mean, he was just so frightened. Yep. He said he worked for um, the county, mm-hmm. uh, you know, county. Uh, uh, I'll just say county of X Y Z. Sure. And he was so frightened. He says, "Okay, I'll put fifty dollars a month in." <laughs> Why don't you put two hundred in? Right. He says, "Well, what if they don't give me my money back?" <laughs> so he put fifty dollars in, and then I didn't see him for a few years, probably six years. And he says, "You know what? I'm mad at myself." And I said, "Why?" He said, "Because you told me to put fifty dollars a month in, and um, I left the county and went to a private company." And I rolled it over, and you know how much money I had? I had sixteen thousand dollars. I could have had a lot more money. <laughs> If I just listen to you, right? Yeah, if I just listen to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So well, he wrote it on, into another uh, yep. an investment company. Either. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think that that is one of the things that that everybody sort of, it's the the paralysis of inertia kind of, you know, it's just easier not to look at that side of your life and just sort of hope that everything will work out for the best versus sitting down and really thinking about it and having a plan on how you're going to get to that end result that you want, which is really where you started when you were right. starting to read and dig into those books and, you know, f- try to figure out exactly how all of this stuff works. I- is that the main reason you think people don't invest, you know, in their 401k, 403b, whatever their retirement plan is at work? D- do you think well, that they just don't understand? They, they Probably the main reason is because they don't understand it. Because mm-hmm. I, I talked to... Two teachers, school teachers, recently. Mm-hmm. One of them has a few hundred thousand dollars in her supplemental retirement account from mm-hmm. teaching, and that she funded, and the other one has zero. And I said, "Well, why didn't her friend?" I said, "Why didn't you fund it?" She says, "Be quite honest with you, I had no clue what they were talking about." Yeah. And that was so sad. Cause yeah. She could have been said if she would have did that. Yep. I think and that so that's I, true. I read stories about people who didn't even make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they were paranoid about funding their account, mm-hmm. and they did it, and they ended up with a million dollars in their supplemental retirement account, or a million dollars in their, with, in a, you know, they went to an investment advisor and got money taken out of their check, and they mm-hmm. just didn't think about it, and it really ballooned on them. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, it, sometimes when you don't understand it, it's really hard to write that check every month, you know. And and then people don't people don't see it going up all the time. They don't <laughs> realize it goes up and down, up and mm-hmm. down. And there'll be a few times before they, like in a ten, twenty, thirty year period, that it pops way up. Yeah. So it will really grow over time. Absolutely. And they don't understand that. And then some people only know when I talk to them. They go, "Well, I'm scared of stocks." There's nothing else but stocks, and I'm scared of stocks. And I, I, I said, well, what stocks? I don't know. It's just scary. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me that. 
<laughs> I understand. It, it, you know, it's, it's, I think the fear of the unknown for a lot of people, and they, they probably have a, a recent memory of the, the quote, stock market that mm-hmm. isn't, isn't great. If we, you know, if we live through 2001 or 2008, we probably remember what that felt like. Right. And, you know, what they don't think about is what it looks like if you stay put where you are and, and continue to exercise that investment muscle, which is, exactly. I think, what it you're talking about. Up. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, eventually. you know, and, and that, that is what your, uh, you talk about in your book is that the, the history of the market really is, is over time, you're, you're going to be way better off than if you just left your money sitting in a savings account. Why is that? Well, because a savings account pays almost no interest. <laughs> Especially today, right? <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> and when you have a mutual fund account, let's say, or a stock, you know, a dividend-paying stock, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get a much higher return mm-hmm. if you choose wisely. I mean, just my simple book or, you know, talking to uh, an investment advisor, okay, mm-hmm. give me something with a good return. Yep. You're not going to average six percent mm-hmm. with a passbook savings account, right? But you can do that easily. Yep. If you get a stock or a mutual fund, mm-hmm. or, well, mutual funds, you know, stocks put together, but you can easily do that. Yep. Even five percent, but people don't realize they go to the bank looking for five percent. <laughs> yeah, that's it's certainly not. You're certainly not going to find it there. Now, you right. mentioned just a minute ago. Um, that pretty much everything is based on stocks in the quote market. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, um, everything is like mutual funds are made up of baskets of stock. Mm-hmm. And there's good ones. There's high risk ones. Yep. There's low risk ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's as simple as that. It, yep. it, it takes your risk away when you have that basket. Yep. And so that helps. I think if people understood that, if a lot of women understood that more, mm-hmm. they would understand that their risk is taken away with the baskets. And when you look at returns over time, I mean, people just have not lost their money. Right. I mean, if you go to someone like you who's a registered investment advisor, mm-hmm. and they can easily check that out. Yep. You know, I mean, people uh, ask me a lot about Bernie Madoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. I said, well, he wasn't a registered investment advisor. Bingo. You know, I mean, all they had to do is, you know, click on that little, uh, check it, you know, Google, you can check everything. You got it. And so, um, but, you know, you have good registered investment advisors all over the place. And right. And the good ones will help you figure out what's the most appropriate thing for you versus whatever right. your brother-in-law says at Christmas is a good stock to buy, Right. Right, there's no <laughs> hot stock. Right. I had a neighbor that was always coming to me with these hot stocks. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um... Doesn't always work out so well, does it? They they go up over time. Yeah. So, you know, let's say they're more like cool investments instead of hot stocks. Yeah. And there's lots of, there's so many different things you can look at, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, you know. You got it. Just a whole um, uh, gamut of, mm-hmm. of, of things that, uh, especially if they sit down with somebody who's willing to talk to them like yep. you are. Yep. And they can get their basics, you know, from like my book. Absolutely. I the, think your uh, book is book, an excellent explanation. Books, they're downloadable. Yeah. 
from Amazon. Perfect. Deliver, yeah, they type in Liverage Save Money Series. They come up in Google now. That's awesome. And um, once you get that background, just a basic background, I think that will help a whole lot. Yeah, I agree. And once they get to the point where they make themselves a budget and kind of sort of stick to a budget. <laughs> the B word, oh no. Yeah, people <laughs> think they have to be exact and really paranoid about it, but just, you know, work your way out of debt, make your savings a bill, your investing a bill, mm-hmm. your retirement, you know, make, make them a bill. Yeah. Uh, you know, have all sorts of different uh, uh, accounts if you have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my book, uh, one of the e-books is 60, uh, Learn, Leverage, Save Money, 68 Ways to Save, uh, <laughs> Now and Forever. Okay. So I give you all the ways to save. Nice. Think about that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and, and you talk about bills, right? Like I have a lot of my bills on auto pay where I don't even have to think about it. It just comes out of my checking account. So right. that might be an option for investing as well. Right. Investing uh, on auto pay, I've been doing that for about 20 years. Awesome. And so... Um, that has really, really made my accounts and my husband's accounts go way up. Yep. I, um, I, my, my little brother, I was trying to get him to <laughs> save money forever. And finally I said, okay. I said, let's go to the bank and just have them auto-deduct from your check into the bank. Yep. And so he said he looked at $200 a month. I said, can you afford that? And he goes, yeah, of course I can afford it. I just, that's just like junk I'll spend it on. So he goes <laughs> to the bank, and I mean, he, he sets it up, and one day he looks in his, his account, and he's like, oh, they made a mistake. He said, I don't know if I should tell them or not. And I said, what? He says, I have $2,000 in my, I, I, I have $2,000. <laughs> and I said, well, are you on are you getting the money taken out that I told you to to put into, you know, your account? He's like, oh, shoot, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but see, he had completely forgot right. about it. Exactly. See, and that's what happens, out of sight, out of mind. And it, right. when you automate it, it also takes the emotion out of it. You don't have to write the check. You don't have to press that button. And so if, if you've heard something in the news that you weren't comfortable with that day, it just happens and you don't even think about it. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that that's a really important part because it – multiplies before you even realize what ha- what has happened. Now you've got an investment account that's growing and doing what you're supposed to do, and it you didn't even have to think about it or really make an effort to make that happen. So I think that is amazingly important and where we're going to leave our first segment. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how to find some money in your budget so that this can actually happen because that's one of the things that I hear the most in my practice is that I can't afford to invest or the kids need this, mom and dad need that. Uh, I've really got uh, money going every which way, every which direction, and I just don't feel like I've got enough of it to make a dent in my retirement. And so that's where we're going to head next right after the break. And you're listening to Making Money Fun with Shanna Tingem. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you going through a life change like divorce, death of a spouse, or starting a business? Are you tired of financial professionals talking at you instead of with you? Are you worried that you may not have enough money to retire or to live the lifestyle you want in retirement? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to contact Heritage Financial Strategies today. At Heritage Financial Strategies, we'll get to know your goals and dreams and design a plan together to get to achieve those dreams. Call 480-397-1184 or visit heritagefinancialad.com. My goal is to develop a relationship where you feel like you can ask me any question and know that I'll give you an honest answer. Again, that's 480-397-1184 or heritagefinancialad.com. Shanna Tinjum, registered representative, securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Shannon Tinjum, investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Making Money Fun with your host, Shanna Tinjum. To reach Shanna or her guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Shanna at heritagefinancialaz.com. Now, back to Making Money Fun. Welcome back to Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum and Dr. Lois Center Shabazz. She is going to be helping me now give you some ideas on where you can find that money to invest. And really, it's all about the B word we mentioned earlier, isn't it, Lois? Budgeting. Exactly. <laughs> so and what are some of your favorite tips? Well, you know, my, my very favorite tip is to start right out of the gate mm. saving. Okay. And when I say that is... A lot of people start with too much home and too much car. Mm. And so that push, pushes them back right away. Yep. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to downsize, especially on your car. Yep. I mean, there are people who keep expensive cars and get the house foreclosed. <laughs> I've seen that happen. <laughs> we saw that all car. over in 2008, didn't we? Right. The car, was, the car note was so expensive. But... If you um, if you have to move, if you haven't bought yet, um, a lot of uh, real estate agents or mortgage people will tell you that oh you can afford to get you know half your income, seventy percent of your income that's way too much. Oh wow! Yeah. And house note, okay. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep it as low as possible, and you want to put a down payment, yep. save money up for a down payment. Yep. Don't go in there with a huge huge note because yep. you didn't put down a down payment or you just had to have five bedrooms <laughs> and you could have done with three. Right. I mean, um, it makes a difference. It makes yeah. a difference in the long run that you don't just work for things. Yes. You work for things now and in the future. Yep. Because we don't know how long we're going to live. That's true. You know, uh, my mother's 95 right now. Wow. And she has, she's a, a good sound mind. Mm-hmm. Her house has been paid for, and she's like, I had no idea I was going to live this long. <laughs> I would have I saved more money. I would have did things a little different. But yeah, we don't know that. Nope. So right out the gate. And, and 
but like I said, uh, don't be afraid to push back. I had to do that a couple of times when I was a dentist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this car is not making it for me. So yep. I wasn't afraid to sell it and get something le- with less money because yep. I, I, when I was self-employed, it, it's hard to um, to tell what your taxes are going to be from year to year. <laughs> yep. And so, so you really have to have to uh, live um, below what you think you should be living yep. <laughs> so you could make those tax payments. But um, <clears throat> the car, uh, a friend of mine, I had to recommend that he sell his boat. Oh, my. He said that um, I, I'm not going to, uh, I'll have to push my retirement up like six years, and I'm like, well, do you still have your boat? And I, <laughs> he says, yeah, I says, sell, sell the boat. Okay? Yeah, for, for, good, for goodness <laughs> sakes, right? Hmm? Oh, I said, for goodness sakes, sell the boat if it means you can't retire. Right, right. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and keeping things up, maintaining homes and cars, mm. make them cheaper. Yep. Then if you let things go, yep. much cheaper. Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't like to think about home maintenance or car maintenance. My sister got divorced, and I had to get on her about keeping her house up. And uh. she would say, "Well, you know, her ex-husband used to take keep up her house," and I'm like, "He's not here anymore. <laughs> it's got to you know, be you're done. Let something go, and it's going to cost you a fortune." Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and and being very careful about what you buy, without a doubt, and and how much you spend. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, a lot of people. Spend money wildly. A lot of women think they have to have all the shoes and clothes in yep. one department store. Yep. You know that that they sell that year, and it's it's really not that important. Right. I mean, you can only wear one pair of shoes at a time, of <laughs> <laughs> one one set of clothes at a time. Really. And so um, I love that. That needs to be you. You need, really need to uh, consider that. And of course, uh, spending as an addiction is something that has to be addressed. Yeah. That has to be addressed by uh, you working out of that uh, mindset because you can really, really, uh, men and women, mm-hmm. men, men and women have a tendency to, to buy different things. Yes. And, um, but it, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, they still buy what they don't need and get deep in debt. Right. Just, and, of course, um, <clears throat> then you have the things like... Um, when people get into uh, real serious addictions, you yeah. really need to like gambling. That can really yeah. <laughs> that can destroy you, can. your life, yep. your your financial life. But um, you know, once you get all that out of the way, and you buy a house right, a car right, and you start, um, you you you, re- you realize that you cannot have all the clothes and shoes you want. I don't care how much money you make. <laughs> right, it just you doesn't make sense. Have all the jewelry you want. I don't care how much money you make. <laughs> right, you have. To live within a budget, yep. which yep. is another thing. People think, well, I'm going to make more money in the future, but, um, you know, everything goes up when you make more money. You know, your taxes <laughs> go up. Yep. So you have to um, make sure you um, create a budget and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And, and as a part of that budget, you budget in your, um, I don't care if you've got three or four kids, even if it's fifty dollars a month in mm-hmm. savings, yep. even if you um, like, there's investments, Shannon, that you know that you can get started with with very little money. Yeah, you, you, there are a lot of mutual funds out there that you really only need to commit to twenty five bucks a month, really, and that's a couple trips to Starbucks, maybe one after they raise their prices here. Um, that I've heard that's coming up. So, you know, you really have to just look at what's important to you. I think and. And make that a priority. Now, one of the things that you said earlier I want to touch on, self-employed versus employee. 
I get a lot, I, I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs. That's something I love to do. And I hear a lot that, well, I'm self-employed and it costs me more to run my business, to grow my business, to, to X, Y, or Z. And it's impossible for me to budget because I don't really know how much money is going to be coming in each month, how much I'm going to have to spend. So it's harder for me because I don't get a paycheck. Is that the case that you find out there, Lois? Um, I felt I kind of felt that way practicing as a dentist, mm-hmm. and of course now that um, you don't know how much is coming in, but you do know that you're probably going to get a minimum. Right. Okay, so you, you, you have your minimums and your maximums. Yep. Things go up and down when you're self-employed. Yep. So try to plan from your minimum, and that's what I always did. And that's when I really started saving mm. a lot of money <laughs> when I started realizing yes. there is a minimum amount of money coming in. Without a doubt. So don't use that as an you know, I, I was using that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. So if you plan from your minimum, then you can, you, and you set your budget from your minimum, then once you get to your maximum, you could, that's overage. Yes, yes, absolutely. So you can put more money in different spots. And, and I think where some women go wrong, or, or in men too, is that they, they sort of budget based on the month they'd like to have versus that minimum month that you talk about. Because then if we don't hit that number that they'd like to have, we're in big trouble. Exactly. <laughs> and we have start, you know, scorched earth cutting things and that doesn't feel fun. So then they sort of abandon the whole budget idea because that doesn't work. Well, it would work if you actually used your strategy, which is to look at what the worst case scenario would be and, and then budget from there. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can completely see what you're saying there. So the, the, the other thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is, you know, you talk about, um, investing in your retirement plan or your um, IRA, but what if you're married and you don't work? What are your options then? Well, um, the government has it set up. So if your husband is investing, Mm -hmm. uh, you can get an IRA. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so um, you should put some money away. Mm -hmm. You should always have use all the the tools that are available at the time yep to invest okay even if you can't put it in an IRA you mm-hmm. should always have a separate account yep. it doesn't have to be a big separate account it doesn't yep. have to be a secret secret account yep but you should have a separate account and you know you talk it over with your husband and um he'll be happy for it because yep. he knows that you're building some money in your name and you'll be happy for it because it makes you feel good to build money in your name. Yep. And um, an investment account, but uh, hopefully uh, that IRA account, because he's, he's got a, a retirement account, so that qualifies you, in most cases, to get an IRA. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's, it's so important because when I was doing my book signing, I would meet older women who were divorced. Oh, my. <laughs> I got a lot of um, you're doing something good teaching women to invest and to save because a lot of women uh, would tell me my husband I hate to say this I mean I'm like not you know I, I'm totally uh, have lots of male friends sure. including my husband sure absolutely <laughs> but they would say well my husband um, cheated me out of the money oh I never had anything in my name and um, I didn't understand finances mm-hmm. and now I'm just barely making it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and, and re- in reality, they it, it may not have been with malintent. It may just right. simply have been that they didn't think to ask the question. And then when you end up in a situation where he dies or you get divorced, you're thrust into this, um, you know, vortex of financial decisions that you're not even close to being prepared to make. Exactly. And and I think that you mentioned that in your book. That's that's one of the big issues I think we're seeing today, and you probably were seeing it during your signing. Is so many women, you know, are in that situation. Such a high percentage of the elderly poor are females for a couple of reasons, but one of them is that reason. Right. So I mean that that that's a, a really great point to make is that you know you can invest in your own IRA, a spousal IRA, if your spouse works and and you don't. And you can also save in a savings account or investments outside of your retirement account that allow you to learn how this stuff works so that when the situation arises that you have to manage your own money, and 85% of women will have to do that at some point, whether through death or divorce, it, it, you're not unprepared then to make those decisions when you're in the midst of the grieving process. That's the worst time to be trying to learn a new skill. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and we see um, that so often. Exactly, and, and and I found out that some women didn't know that during their divorce that they had to get what they wanted oh, and they needed wow. during the divorce. It had to be put in writing. Oh, I talked to a few women said, well, they told me, well, you know, I'll pay you X amount of dollars, but they didn't get put in writing and they didn't get the money. Oh, my Lord. And they were entitled to, like, half the retirement account. Yes. And they didn't know that they had to have it in the divorce degree. Wow. Or well, when they their husband died, they didn't know where everything was. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to ask for. Yep. One lady got money from her husband's job like five years after he died. <laughs> that <laughs> because prob- I didn't know who to yep. go to. <laughs> that happens more often than you would think. And that's one of the things that I wanted to mention is, you know, one of the places where my heart is is helping women that go through divorce. And I host a uh, an event in Gilbert the second Saturday of each month that happens to be tomorrow for women that are either considering or going through divorce. And it is called Second Saturdays. It's a offshoot of wife.org. And so it is a completely, you know, non-judgmental, non-sales um, educational environment for any women that really just want more information and help. It, I, it, I'm there. I have a divorce attorney there. And I also have a counselor uh, you know, type person that that can help with the emotional side of things, and mm-hmm. and I think that's so important to reach out because, it, you know, Arizona happens to be a community property state, so that would never happen here. But in states where it isn't mandated that everything gets split, they can easily end up in that situation that that they that you can't un you can't unring the bell. Right here in, in Virginia, it's not a uh, uh, it's not a community property state like. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. There's some type of community property thing, but it's not. Um, someone could have a, a house in their name, uh-huh. like a man could have a house in his name, and you could live with them for 20 years, and the whole house goes to him. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Yeah, so it's not the type of community property state that Arizona or California, where I'm originally from, is. So, yeah, women need to understand but even in community property states like California, I had women tell me that they didn't get their due. Mm, yeah. They just didn't understand what to get, you know, yeah. how to do it. Well, and they didn't understand probably what they were eligible for. Right, exactly. Be- you know, and, and if he pays for the attorney, 
you're not represented in a lot of cases. And so that's one of the things that they need to understand is it may be an amicable divorce, but you're still entitled to somebody to help you sort that out on your side. And, and you know, there, money is a very emotional topic and, and throw divorce and money all into one big package and it just sort of makes it that much scarier. Right, right. You know, so I think I think that's really, really important to, to, um, to mention as well to, uh, you know, everybody that's listening is y- you can have that conversation when you're happily married and typically it is one person in a relationship, at least what I find is one person in the relationship manages the checkbook and is the CFO of the, of the, of the household. And then it could be the same person or maybe it's the other person manages the investments if somebody does manage the investments. But, right. but it's, it's typically not a joint effort because it isn't necessarily a fun conversation in most households, no matter how much money you have. Right. And so sometimes if that person is your, your spouse, you just have to insert yourself into that conversation and ask questions so that you know sort of what is going on and, and what, what has transpired and what, what you, goals you have coming up and, you know, all of that. Because y- if you don't, you can end up in a situation that is, that is something that you, you know, weren't, uh, weren't looking for and, and weren't prepared to deal with. And, and then you throw taking care of eight kids that are, that are boomeranging back home and, and aging parents, you know, the whole sandwich generation. You throw that all into the mix and you get even more arguments and, and strife and it just becomes – it can become overwhelming. The le- one of the leading causes for divorce today is money fights and money problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where we really have to, have to be careful that it doesn't become an issue. Um, and we are about to take another break, but before we do, I want to uh, just mention as we come back from the break, we're going to talk about protection, protecting some of those those things that you would like to, to plan for today or for, for tomorrow, making sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and you have good uh, insurance protection, a good estate plan, and what other things that you need to be looking for as you're building wealth that could really crack and scramble that nest egg if you're not careful. And uh, so we want to make sure that, that we're covered today, um, our, our family is covered tomorrow, and you get the opportunity to leave that lasting legacy that you want to leave. Because what I see is so many people just really focus on saving, 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 saving for retirement, and they forget to do the things that need to be done in order to make sure that when they're gone, and nobody's getting out of this life alive, um, that when they're gone, their family is going to be able to carry on that that legacy that they have that they've worked so hard to build, and that that uh, um, you know those memories that they've worked so hard to to accomplish will will be good memories instead of your family having to to deal with a situation that you may not have intended uh, for them to be in. So um, so that is a very important piece of all of this, and and something that we'll talk about when we come back. Um, I am Shanna Tingem, and this is Making Money Fun. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you going through a life change like divorce, death of a spouse, or starting a business? 
Are you tired of financial professionals talking at you instead of with you? Are you worried that you may not have enough money to retire or to live the lifestyle you want in retirement? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to contact Heritage Financial Strategies today. At Heritage Financial Strategies, we'll get to know your goals and dreams and design a plan together to get to achieve those dreams. Call 480-397-1184 or visit heritagefinancialad.com. My goal is to develop a relationship where you feel like you can ask me any question and know that I'll give you an honest answer. Again, that's 480-397-1184 or heritagefinancialad.com. Shanna Tinjum, registered representative, securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Shannon Tinjum, investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Making Money Fun with your host, Shanna Tinjum. To reach Shanna or her guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Shanna at heritagefinancialaz.com. Now, back to Making Money Fun. Welcome back. This is Shanna Tinjum, and I am talking to Lois Center Shabazz, who is a personal finance author and blogger and artist and former dentist. So listen to the first segment if you're just joining us on how that all occurred. But we want to spend the rest of our time today talking a little bit about some of the other stuff we've got. We've delved into budgeting, investing, retirement savings. But we want to talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that could potentially be an issue that maybe those of you that are listening don't don't see coming. And so the first thing that I did want to ask you, Lois, is you know, we haven't really talked about Social Security at all. And, you know, there may be a misconception out there that you don't really need to save for retirement because the government will take care of you. That's what Social Security is for, right? If you want to be amongst the elderly poor. Okay. You will get Social Security. If you work and, or your husband works mm-hmm. for 11 quarters and um, you will get Medicare. But even if you have high income, it won't be enough unless you really, really downsize when you retire to live off of. Mm-hmm. For most people, it won't be enough money to live off of. They okay. will struggle yeah. horrifically. <laughs> so you absolutely need something in addition to Social Security. You need a retirement account or uh, something put away. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you said, you can start with $25 a month. That takes the shock out of it. But also, when they, uh, another thing that will help you to think about uh, retirement uh, savings on pushing the easy button is that <laughs> retirement money is protected money. Okay. What do you mean by that? Tell me, th- tell me about that. Well, when I say protected money, um, no one can take your retirement money mm, okay. except for, of course, the IRS, sure. <laughs> but uh, we're not going to do anything, you know, really super silly like uh, owe the IRS any money. But um, if you get sued and you're not properly protected, or someone tries to, you know, accuse you of something silly, you you could get sued and, and lose uh, 
you know, assets or money, mm-hmm. but your retirement account can't be touched. Okay. So you can think of that in, in terms of something safe, you know, putting your money around uh, somewhere safe. Okay. And so that will help in addition to the fact that you're going to need the money to live off because uh, time flies and uh, before you know it, you're going to be 60. And yeah. You need some money. Yeah. Or 65. And so um, don't rely on Social Security. Yeah. But you, you do need the... Um, you do need some Social Security, and mm-hmm. Medicare uh, will help you, but yeah. by no means it, will it be enough to live off of. Yeah, well, and, and Social Security really is kind of what it is. It does, they don't give you a huge raise, raise each year when uh, the cost of bread and gasoline and me- medical care goes up. They, they may give you a little cost of living increase, but you, you know, even if you start out with it thinking that it's going to be enough, there's going to be some point in the near future where it probably won't be enough to take care of all right. of your needs. Wasn't the re- the recent um, cost of living like two dollars a month or something? It was ridiculous. <laughs> it, was, it was tiny. <laughs> yeah, it was it was almost an insult to to I those know. I'm like, why that I know that are getting that? it. I know it's like why even go through the motions of of trying to do that because by the time they take taxes back out of that, you're ending up with less than a dollar or something crazy. Right. So you know it just doesn't even make sense. Now you mentioned that it's protected. Um, and, and the protection aspect is something that I want to touch on during our, our last conversation here um, this afternoon because there are some ways to protect your the nest egg that you've built, the, the estate that you've built, the, the, the legacy that you want to leave that I think a lot of people just really don't think too much about. And you mentioned one of them, and that is you know if you get into a car accident or your children get into a car accident and somebody sues you and, and wants to grab at assets, they're not going to be able to get at your retirement assets, but they will be able to get at your savings and in, in some cases your, your home um, and, and in some cases any investments that you have outside of retirement. So what do you think are some of the important ways that we can you know, stru- structure that or, or, or things that we can do to protect ourselves from those sort of scenarios? Well, well for one thing, well, of course, you know, you have your, your car insurance. Yep. But, uh, of course, not everybody uh, even keeps up their car insurance. <laughs> they miss a payment and have an accident, and they're in disaster zone. Yes. But your car insurance and you have ho- your homeowner's insurance, and then as you your assets grow or if you have um, own your own business, you might think about an umbrella coverage. Yep. And you have to have the same insurance company, and you have the same car insurance, homeowner's insurance, and then that company will put an umbrella over that and as your assets grow you increase we just recently increased our umbrella right so you uh, will increase your umbrella so that will um, protect your your assets that you build and then of course um, you want to uh, do some estate planning mm. for your um, to, so that you can pass things on to your children okay People, uh, I mean, I just talked to a prof- two professional people that had no will. Oh, my Lord. They both made probably together about 600000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, we just hadn't gotten around to it because, and, and then they also had blended family, which oh. is dangerous. I'm like, do you know what's going to happen to everything when they everyone finishes it's, it's done fighting. Well, and, <laughs> Nobody's going to get any money except for the lawyers. 
Well, and that's a good point that I that I want to talk about a little bit because I get that from from clients a lot. I hear them e- even with substantial assets. They say to me, "Well, you know, when something happens to me, it's going to my husband. When something happens to my husband, it's going to me. When something happens to me, it's all going to the kids. Why do I need that in writing? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work?" Not necessarily. Right. It it is supposed to work that way, but not necessarily. Right. Because people come up with uh, notes and. <laughs> they make their own fake wills if you don't have a will. And, I mean, it, it's just, it sounds outrageous, like that could never happen, but it, it does. does. Yeah. And so it, it just makes it so easy if you just appoint, uh, you, you and your husband have to have that and that will, and appoint, especially if you have three or four kids. I right. mean, they might be dolls to you, you know, really precious wonderful people i mean i don't I, I don't know anybody no one's told me right yet that they their kids are like terrible <laughs> and so, but when people die sometimes the kids really get terrible yes and they start fighting over things and so it's important to um have that will and if you have higher assets trusts and and all that. So, but and and then of course within that comes the medical directives. Yes. You can um, appoint who you want to make decisions for you because you don't want your greediest kid to make your decisions. <laughs> they might say, "Well, pulling the plug on that." <laughs> Mama's been <there> long <laughs> enough. <laughs> I need a new house. Oh no. And so um, you can choose who you want to make your medical decisions, and you know, of course, you have to put your hip on there. Now th- that's all required. Uh, they want to know, you know, who's in charge. Because um, if you don't have anybody in charge, the hospitals can make the decision and they can keep your your bill running up while you're really yep. dead. <laughs> yeah. Quite I have heard time. horror stories of, of that where somebody got transferred to another hospital and right. they couldn't find them because they didn't have the right HIPAA form in place. And mm-hmm. and it becomes really important when you're looking at, at planning those things that you've got all your I's dotted and T's crossed. And actually, uh, we have a future guest coming on that uh, Becky Chaluka with Chaluka Law. Um, that's all she does. And she happens mm. to be my uh, business partner as well in the effort of full disclosure here. But mm-hmm. part of the reason that, that, uh, that we partnered was because we both saw the other side of people having estate plans and no financial plan and others folks having a great financial plan and no estate plan. So she will be doing a few shows with me coming up talking about the importance of having the will and, 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 you know, the estate and what that means. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole other conversation around um, non-traditional couples, those couples that aren't unmarried or same sex or whatever, that uh, that becomes a whole other can of worms that, that we'll talk about on, on a future show. So I think it's great that you brought that up because another misconception that I get is that, well, I don't have an estate, so I don't need an estate plan. And I'm like, yeah, you do. And it's not going to play out the way you want if you let the government have control. Right. And especially if you have kids under 18, you have an estate. Yes. Like it or not. Because if something happens to you and your husband, you want the right people to get your kids. Yes. And also, if you just have a simple house, you want to decide who gets it. Yes, without a doubt. Now, let's talk a little bit as we as we reach the end of the show today about um, long-term care and health insurance, and those costs just aren't going down anytime soon, I don't think. And, and w- what are the best ways to, to protect a bit against, you know, the rising cost of insurance or if one spouse needs care in the home or in a facility? How do I protect against that? Well, um, long-term care insurance is good. The sooner you get it, the better off you'll be. Yep. Um, you don't have to get it too soon, but you know some some employers off 
offer long-term care? I mean, if you're going to stick with that employer, that's good. But sometimes if you leave, you have to find out if that's transferable. Yep. And you also, um, there are a lot of different plans. So you want to talk to different insurance agents and or your favorite insurance agent because some of them will pay up to five years. Some of them will pay up to 10 years. Yep. And um, so you really want to know exactly what you're getting. Yes. So you said long-term care insurance, and what what else is that? Well, That's just, imperative. And, and health insurance. Yeah. Well, now you have to have health insurance. Yes. They, they, they just got really tired. I know it's been highly politicized, but forget about that because yeah. they uh, – my husband is a physician, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a dentist, so, you know, I know how difficult it was for people who yeah. didn't have – Dental insurance, but I, you know, it's a little easier because I, I could make up payment plans to people who had were come had come to me for a while, and I trusted them. And but you know, with medicine, it's a little different because you know, if you get sick, you might have to see five different doctors and, right. and have two or three hospital stays. So you really do need uh, insurance. They they came up with the Affordable Care Act because they got really got tired of people going to the hospital yep. without insurance, yep. and they were passing that cost on onto the other. Uh, hospital yep uh, exactly because and 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 um people you know and they, they tell me well you know i'm not going to get a health care because you can just go free i says it's not free because <laughs> they they can attach your house yes which they do and you know after a few years if you don't pay yep. they can send you to collections and they call you all times and that and they're not supposed to of course there are laws where they're not supposed to call you after a certain hour but they will bug you for that bill and why bill why run up a bill like that when you can just get insurance yes. and protect yourself, protect your assets, um, protect your children, protect your sanity, protect <laughs> your health. Some doctors or hospitals won't even see you. I mean, they'll pretend to see you, but right. they won't really see you. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. They, will, they might give you, I call it no treatment, Band-Aid treatment, <laughs> or if you're really lucky, you'll get treatment with the, a really big bill. Yeah. So it's really important to have health insurance. It's it's part of your um, your uh, personal finance plan. Yeah, with, without any doubt, because it, you know one big health event and all those twenty five dollar deposits that you've been making into that that uh, IRA or, or investment account are gone because mm-hmm. you've got to pay a you know one hundred and seventy five thousand two hundred thousand dollar bill that you weren't expecting to pay. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 important to uh, to keep in mind and all part of a good financial plan. And so as we wrap up today, um, Lois, I want you to just leave us with one thing that you, that you wish you had known when you were getting out of college that might have kept you from making a really bad mistake. What's that one thing? The one thing I would have known it was to not borrow as much money as I did mm. for graduate school. Mm. I owed almost nothing out of college, but oh for graduate school, when I went to dental school, I borrowed too much money because I didn't know I was going to owe that much, but I would have did better research, I guess you'd say. Okay. And Just, chose a different school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, walking into that school choice with your eyes wide open, I think, is really important. Um, right. I, I have and a lot of... I do of, have a book on school loans. You do? Right? Oh, that's yeah, right, you do. Yeah, one, of, one of them is... Um, Leverage, save money, uh, student loans, 
uh, um, from student loans to car maintenance. To car right? maintenance, yeah. nine wonderful ways to save. Okay. And well, then, well, you'll see the whole Live Rich, Save Money series when you type in Google or go to Amazon. You can okay. type in my name, Lois Center Shabazz. Wonderful. Well, Lois, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest today on my show. And we're going to be uh, diving into the topic of investing next week in a lot more detail. I'm super excited about my second guest as well next week. She is a an author and has written a, a, a book that I think is absolutely a fun title, but Luann Lofton will be joining us next week on the show, and she's written a book that is titled Why Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl and Why You Should Too. So if you want to learn about how to invest and really the details around investing and, and how Warren Buffett does it, she will be on the show next week to sort of dive into that topic and the next uh, next week we'll be touching on as well the uh, questions that you should ask a financial professional before meeting with them. So until next week, I'm Shanna Tingham on the Making Money Fun show. Let's make some money and have some fun. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to catch the next episode of Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. Live next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great weekend and an amazing week. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Shanna Tinjum, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge, guests on this show, and Heritage Financial Strategies are not affiliated.